the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible Podcast, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver. With me, as always, Justin Mello. And do we have a good show for you today? What's up, Justin? I'm doing well, man. You said it. Great show for the people. I think everyone hopefully enjoyed last week's episode with Mike Miracles, Mike Herndon, of course. Uh, the semi-retired Mike Herndon, as we like to call him. Uh, I think you'll enjoy this episode just as much. I know that's setting a high bar because I know how you people feel about Mike, but I think you're going to feel just as good uh, about this week's guest as well. That's right, and uh, happy 4th of July to everyone. This episode is coming out on July 5th. So happy 4th of July out there. If you celebrate, hope you had a great time with family and friends or whatever. Um, I think without further ado, we should just bring on our fantastic guest and get into this episode. All right, we now welcome back to the show Titans senior writer and editor Jim Wyatt, perhaps a new and improved father-in-law version of Jim Wyatt because his daughter <laughs> just got married a couple of weeks ago. So I want to say congratulations, Jim. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, seeing my daughter get married, certainly a big day. Uh, June the 18th was the official day and, uh, uh, you know, I'm very happy for her and really happy with my new son-in-law. Uh, and happy that they're going to be living here in Nashville. So she's not packing up and leaving, which will make it easier for me. Uh, she's packed up and left the house, but she is going to stay in Nashville. And uh, so it was a big day. It was certainly uh, very proud of her. And I uh, appreciate you mentioning that. Yeah. I'm curious, Jim, if you don't mind real quick, did you have control over the wedding date? Like, did you demand it was an off-season <laughs> wedding or, or did that just work out in your favor? Oh, I think they know. I'm not a big fan of fall <laughs> weddings, and uh, and I think they know my schedule uh, is not going to allow for a fall wedding. I, you know, I think I probably would have made it if she'd have got married on a on a on a Saturday in the fall. I probably would have been able to fix my schedule to do it, but um, but you know, they're big. You know, she grew up. You know, as my daughter, she loves football herself, and her. Uh, her husband is a is a big sports fan. They both went to school at the University of Alabama, so they know what fall Saturdays are like. And uh, uh, they knew that June 18th and the first weekend after the last mini camp is kind of my sweet spot there. So I'm glad it worked out. And we got a lucky break with the weather too, because you guys know how it was blistering hot in Nashville, and that was just a weekend where it got down to the 80s and the humidity went away it was just a perfect uh perfect perfect night that's great it all worked out I'm, I'm happy for you and we're super excited to have you on the pod today to talk some titans football do a little preview of training camp a few weeks out but i'm going to start talking about it before we really dive into everything i'm curious how you feel just about the overall state of this team. We had a lot of changes this offseason. Obviously, A.J. Brown traded away. So where are you at right now with this with the state of this roster? Well, I mean, I think the Titans are going to be, you know, in a position to compete for the AFC South again. I think it's a good football team. Uh, you know, I, I have more questions on offense than I do on defense, certainly. Uh, I think, like everybody else, 
just like you guys, I'm sure, the entire fan base. I know everybody in the organization, you know, dealt with a hangover from last season. I mean, that, that uh, you know, that was the year. I mean, if you ask me, I mean, I've covered this team since 99. You know, there are certain windows you have where you've got to seize your opportunity. The Titans were in one from 99 to 2003 when they went to playoffs four times, two AFC championship games, one Super Bowl, didn't get a Vince Lombardi trophy then. And I think they're in another one of those windows now. I don't think the window's shut. It's still open. But, you know, the ninth, 2019 season that, that ended with an AFC championship game appearances, that was, I think, an overachieving team that had a shot, didn't get it done, but it was great. 2020 qualifies as a disappointment. You, you lose your first playoff game at home to the Ravens. And last year was an extreme disappointment. And, uh, you know, when you're the number one seed and you got home field advantage all the way through, that needed to be a year when you won the Super Bowl. And it didn't happen. So now you've got to turn the page. And, I, you know, this team, I think, has a chance to be good again. But for me to sit here and tell you guys, I think it's better – than last year I can't do that right now because uh you know right now we still don't know who the two starters are gonna be on the offensive line we don't know who's gonna step up and take the place of AJ Brown we don't know really how you know how you know the whole receiving core is gonna be Robert Woods coming off an ACL training Birch but seen very little of him so far this offseason got a lot of the guys who have had you know Nick Westbrook Akina certainly has is emerging but no, he's got something to prove. So it's a it's a roster with question marks on offense. I think the defense is going to be really good. Uh, I think leadership is great. Mike Rabel is a really good coach. I think the staff is is good, but um, but it's a tough schedule. Um, you know, and you just gotta you, know, you gotta have a lot of things come together. And if that happens, Titans are going to compete for the AFC South, give themselves a chance in January and February again. And if it, things don't come together, then this is going to be a uh, uh, this is going to be a, a year where you slide back. Absolutely. And you kind of said it there, Jim, about maybe having more questions on offense than defense. One of those questions for me heading into training camp, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, is we seem to have a, a potential position battle looming at left guard specifically, right, where we're seeing Aaron Brewer compete against Jamarco Jones. You know, Aaron Brewer entering his third season, former UDFA out of Texas State, certainly has earned himself a role as a swing lineman, has – has, has had flashes of brilliance, really, when he started, right? It's shown some really good signs. And now you got a guy like Jamarco Jones who, who comes in here, knows Mike Vrabel a little bit uh, from, you know, uh, recruiting him at Ohio State, going to come in and compete. Another versatile guy has played a lot of positions uh, throughout his time in Seattle. Um, I guess a little early to maybe ask you how you see that battle unfolding, but curious to get your thoughts on it as we head into camp. Yeah, because Brewer hasn't been out there much. I mean, he's been one of those guys that was on the side, wearing an exercise bike a little bit and just kind of, uh, you know, wasn't wearing a yellow jersey because he wasn't out there a lot of times. So I think he's certainly going to be in the mix. I mean, he looks good physically. I think he's got himself in great shape. Uh, you know, Jamarco Jones, uh, I think, has obviously has some experience, and he, he is the type of player that they went out and got and uh, and and kind of – targeted his skill set to fit what they want to do so I think those are the two I think I think it's a battle between those two the only way Raidens gets in it is if if he fails in the battle at right tackle and uh that's the only way he enters the competition but I think it's between Brewer and I think it's between Jones I think Raidens it's his job to lose on the outside and that's one of the biggest position battles I'm looking for in camp yeah, you mentioned Raidens there. Is there anyone 
that he's competing against for the right tackle position, or you said it's his job to lose. You mentioned that in a recent mailbag too. Yeah. I wonder if there's even any competition for him there, or if he just has to hold it down. Yeah. I mean, right now, I mean, I look at the roster and uh, I think it needs to be him. I mean, certainly some of those other guys, I mean, are capable of kicking out there, but I think they're more, uh, you know, you know, like, you know, for instance, you know, Nicholas Petit Freire, I, I think he is talented. Uh, I think he's go going to be good, but I don't think he's ready to start, you know, at right tackle as a rookie. I, I think he's he's going to need time to develop. So I don't, you know, I, I don't and I don't think they see him as a guy that's potentially competing for a starting spot right now. So that leaves you with, uh, you know, with somebody kicking out, uh, you know, Jones has maybe some experience there. I don't th think that's necessarily what, where they want him to be. So they need Raiders to win, and they need him to win convincingly. That's why he was drafted. Um, now, yes, his strength is on the left side. Uh, I think that's been said. I think it's. I think he would tell you himself he's still adjusting to the right, but he's a good player, and he's a good athlete, and uh, they need him to step up and win that job. And if that doesn't happen, then um then i don't know i could see you know i think we all remember you know before that i think it was 2016 when the titans were a little bit pinched and they went out and traded for dennis kelly uh you know close to when the season started so i'm not ruling something like that out if ravens is a does does not seize this opportunity and there are a lot of good veteran alignment still available eric flowers is a guy we've talked about on this show who's played a little bit of left guard played a little tackle daryl williams veteran of the buffalo bills who's still available uh uh, uh trent brown i believe right tackle up or Dwayne brown i believe it is a tackle that played in seattle uh for a long time so a lot of talent available uh you know touching on ratings i want to switch gears over to the defense to another sophomore right who i think could be in uh, for a big breakout season is cornerback Caleb Farley, right? A bit of a similar position like Raidens, right? Where he didn't play a ton as a rookie. And now it feels like they might be counting on him um, as the guy to start opposite Christian Fulton on the outside. So curious your thoughts on Farley, what you've seen from him this offseason, and if you feel like he's in a similar position where it's his position to lose. Well, I really like Farley. I mean, and you know, not only his skill set and his size and his length. Uh, but he's just got such a great attitude. I mean, when we first got here, just how humble he was and just how much it means to him. He's had some really bad luck, you know, with his back, and then he dealt with some other injuries last year before the before the knee. And um, and he was in tears. I mean, his dad was there at the night, you know, the night he tore his ACL, and you know, and when Farley's in tears, you know, knowing. Uh, that he had a long, more rehab time ahead of him, but also because I think he felt like he, you know, let the team down because, you know, he wasn't a, going to be available for them. So he's busted his butt and he looks great. I know Brable kidded with him. It doesn't look like his jersey's hanging from a coat hanger anymore, and it doesn't. I mean, he's, he's physically, he's put on a lot of size up top. Um, but uh, is he going to be ready? We'll see. I mean, I, I, last I saw him, all I've seen of him this offseason has been with him with big knee brace on and with the yellow jersey and and some of the, you know, non-one-on-one -on -one stuff. Uh, he's busting it. I think they're going to give him a chance to to win it. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, that's something we'll find out in August. And if he's not there and not doing everything from the get-go, then maybe he just needs time 
more time and he eventually gets that spot. But um, I like what I've seen from other guys around him. It's still, it's not like the cupboard's bare if he's not ready. Uh, but if he is, then that's a pretty, that's a pretty deep and talented group of young players. Yeah, there's tons of depth in the secondary and really throughout the defense as a whole, it feels like another position with a lot of depth is the defensive line. And we have a handful of guys competing for maybe four, five, six spots, depending on how they decide to construct the roster. But, you know, Tier Tart, Daquan Jones, Laurel Murchison, Jaden Peavy, Sam Okayenanu, I think I said Say it, Haskell Garrett, Deshaun Hand. I'm curious what you've seen from some of these guys and how you think this competition could shake out if one of these undrafted free agents has a legitimate shot to make it, if Deshaun Hand, a former standout at Alabama who's bounced around a little bit, if he has a chance. Um, sorry, I said Daquan Jones. I think I meant <laughs> Naquan Jones. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> um, but that position group, what do you think of it? Yeah, I'm looking at the whole group now. It's 11 guys listed. I mean, you know, obviously Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Autry, uh, Demarcus Walker on this team. I think Walker's going to be good. I think he's versatile. I like the looks of him during the offseason, even though they didn't have pads on. He just moves well. He's got a great attitude. Those three guys will be on there. Tart, they, they feel good about him. He's obviously going to be in that group. And then we'll see what happens from there. I like Naquan Jones. I mean, I think he's a tough player. I think he got better as the season went on. Murchison, uh, you know, he flashes, but don't think he's in a position where you can just automatically say he's on the roster. I mean, I, I, because because of some of the other guys you mentioned. I, mean, I, I think now without seeing him with the pads on, um, you know, I think Jaden Peavy has a great chance to make this team. And, you know, he's 6'5", 308. Uh, I don't know. And this is projecting because, again, I hadn't seen him in pads and we don't, we don't know what's happened in training camp. I just I just got a hunch he's going to stick. And then I like some uh, – uh, I like the looks of Haskell Garrett. Um, hand was around here at the end of last season. Uh, need to see more from him. Um, but it's a good group. I mean, so uh, I, I think four or five you can count on and then we're just going to see what, what shakes out in the competition. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, one thing, Jim, I, I've been focused on a lot this offseason personally. I'm curious to get your thoughts on. Um, under the Mike Vrabel and John Robinson era, this team has never entered the season with three quarterbacks on the active roster. Now, they may have had three at some point, you know, week five, 2019. I'm not going to pretend like I went all the way back every week and, and made sure, but in the initial 53, they have never had three quarterbacks uh, under John Robinson and Mike Vrabel. I feel like that's something that could change this year, certainly with Logan Woodside and Malik Willis. Obviously, Willis is on the team, and, and I feel like they'd have a tough time parting with Woodside, knowing the, the, not only the, the grasp that he has of that offense, the system, the scheme, how comfortable they are with him, but when you also pair it with, with Willis potentially being a little bit raw uh, and, and you know, kind of learning, uh, facing a learning curve still, do you think there's a chance this is a year where that changes and they carry three quarterbacks on the roster? I, I do. I mean, and again, we got a lot, we got a ways to go, uh, you know, before we get to the final cut down. And uh, so Malik Willis is going to have a lot of opportunities and, you know, and, you know, I don't know what his opportunities going to look like in training camp. I mean, he's going to get some, but that's the thing that's tricky is that, you know, Ryan Tannehill's got to get his reps with the ones. He's the starter. There's no doubt about that. And uh, so how much work can you give Malik Willis? 
during training camp to see what he's capable of doing. I think he's going to get opportunities in the preseason, but he's going to be playing with a lot of backups. And uh, so, I mean, if I had to bet, I mean, sitting here, you know, first of July, if I had to bet uh, if they're keeping three or not, I would put my money that they're keeping three quarterbacks because they like Logan Woodside so much. I think it's too big of a roll of the dice to release him that somebody could sign him. And then, you know, if something happens to Ryan Tannehill, you'd have a guy who is still learning on the fly. I mean, I, I think Malik Willis has looked better than I thought he would during OTAs. He throws the ball well. He's got a great arm. Um, you know, I love his attitude. Uh, but, you know, he's also, you know, had issues with some of the snaps. He's not used to being in a huddle. He's not used to being under center. Some of his accuracy, he's had accuracy issues in practices. With that said, he's also thrown some darts and made some tremendous throws, but he's not ready to play yet. I mean, nobody thinks he's ready to play. You know, somebody I was on the you know, interview earlier today, and somebody asked him and they thought he'd see the field, and I said maybe 2024. I mean, it depends on what happens with Ryan Tannehill, really. If Tannehill bounces back and plays well and returns to form, then you want him to be your quarterback next year, too. And uh, and that's going to slow Malik Willis's timetable Eat down even more, but from the very first day Malik Willis was drafted, all I've heard about is, you know, he is a prospect. We're going to give him time. We're not going to rush him into action. And if you know, if if you don't have three quarterbacks around, if, if you no know, Logan Woodside's not around, then you kind of run the risk of not giving yourself time to let Malik develop, and you throw him out there sooner than you want to. And I, again, I don't get the sense that anybody's ready to do that yet. I, I, I think it's great he was picked. I think I'm, I love the fact that the team picked him because preseason games are going to be more exciting. Training camp practice is going to be more exciting. He's a fun kid to be around, um, but um, I, I, he's not ready to be a start quarterback right now. Yeah, and you talked about potentially, you know, releasing Logan Woodside and exposing him, you know, to the interest of other teams. Uh, there's an old coach right now in Atlanta that's signing a lot of former Tennessee Titans, right? So you'd always run that risk right there. Yeah, and I think they're in the same for a fresh my memory, but it's Marcus and, and Desmond Ritter. Is that that that's who's down there? Is that right? And then so they're in a similar situation. Uh and um, you know, I I don't I I, I don't can't guarantee that he would claim Woodside, but I certainly think it's a possibility. And uh, yeah, I hate the Woodside. I mean, Woodside has looked good in practices. You know, they're not keeping around just because, you know, just because he's a nice guy. I mean, they keep him around because he's gotten better. He's smart. He works hard. He's, uh, you know, he's a, you know, we'll never, hopefully we'll never know, um, you know, what he can do because uh, hopefully Ryan Tannehill stays healthy and he plays well and there's no need to put him in the game. But I, I, had, I would have more confidence in Logan Woodside entering the game uh, in week three than I would Malik Willis. I know that. And, you know, we'll see. We'll just kind of see how things transpire here over the next couple of months. Yeah, it makes and People sense. don't want to hear that. Like, I, 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 like anytime I post a Logan Woodside video, people, about half the comments are, nobody wants to see this or why are you even posting this? And, <laughs> and, I, and I get it. Everybody loves the new shiny toy and Malik Willis. But, uh, you know, this guy deserves probably a little bit more credit than he gets. He certainly doesn't deserve to be bashed because he, he the guy busts his butt. And when there's when they've had offseason workouts the past couple of years, he's the guy that's throwing to the quarterbacks here in town. And he's the guy who's who's doing all the extra dirty work. So 
he's doing his part. Uh, and you know, so I, I, if I'm a Titans fan, I wouldn't be jumping up and down hoping this guy gets cut. Yeah, well, this show has been – we've been trying to prepare listeners for that for, for, for a few weeks now at least, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? And I like what you said there about the shiny new toy, right? It, it always reminds me of the old clip on Family Guy, which I don't know if you've ever seen, but when they have a chance to either take home a boat or take home what's in the mystery box, right? And, and, and Peter Griffin goes, well, the mystery box could have anything. It could even have a boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I watch let, let's make a deal a lot of times and you end up, you know, sometimes you pass up the, what looks like a great deal and uh, you end up with a, a box of, of, of peanuts. So, uh, you know, so, I'm not saying that Malik Lewis is going to be a box of peanuts. I think he's going to be good eventually, but uh, uh, no, I think sometimes you, you know, I, I think the Titans, uh, and the coaching staff and everybody would, should, would sleep a lot better at night if they had three quarterbacks. Now, you you run the risk of, and I'm, I'm naming Peavy again, but uh, somebody like that, that's the problem. Is if, you, if you keep three quarterbacks, then somebody is going to get cut, and you're going to have to try to sneak them, somebody through. The good thing about the practice squad is you can carry so many guys now but um, but you're also exposing a guy that could get claimed somewhere else, and that's that's the risk that you take. Yeah, I think it's fair to give Woodside more credit. He's looked pretty good in the preseason when we've gotten to see him play, and just to give Malik Willis a little more patience and lower initial expectations, I think it's fine to have high hopes for him and the upside he brings, but we can we can wait a year or two on those. Uh, Jim, we really want to thank you for your time. It's been super insightful getting to hear your thoughts on training camp. I have one last question for you before we let you go, and it's more about your practice covering the team. You mentioned you've been covering them since 1999. You've done a fantastic job and one of my favorite follows for as long as I've been a Titans fan. And I'm just curious because you've now been with the team since 2015, I think, and um, I'm wondering how much of a difference you've experienced covering the team from the inside as opposed to as a beat writer for the Tennessean for all those years, winning Sports Writer of the Year awards. And is there any hesitancy in you to not be as critical about the team? Or is there more of uh, more part of you that's like rooting for team success since you're actually a member of the team now? I'm curious to get your your take on that. Well, it's different in a lot of areas. I mean, there's there's, there's no doubt about that. I mean, uh, I am a newspaper guy at heart. I, I c- couldn't sit here and lie to you and tell you I'd still not in my blood a little bit. Uh, I grew up as a, you know, working part time with the paper, kind of paying my dues, watching guys like David Clymer and, you know, Jeff Leckwald and, and uh, you know, Larry Woody and, um, you know, so many people that have had great influences on my career and a guy named Mike Jones, who was my who was kind of a deputy sports editor who was behind the scenes. A lot of people probably never heard of him, but he was he, all the guys I mentioned before, you know, from Legwall and the Climber, especially myself, Kuharski worked under him. They know what uh, what a tough editor he was and how he pushed to do your best. And I give Mike Jones a lot of credit for kind of instilling that in me. Um, I, you know, if you guys have, you know, and I appreciate, you know, the, the, the kind words about, follow me you know from back then y'all know if you follow the titans know that i was i was an aggressive uh newspaper reporter i mean when you're a big guy of 
NFL team, you're you got one of 32 spots, and your job uh, in that role should be to own the beat and to break the news, and then not let guys in Bristol, Connecticut, or wherever these national guys are located, to be telling you everything that's going on in your beat. So I was driven to get everything. I don't care if it was a coaching hiring, a firing, a a free agent signing, a guy getting cut, a guy getting arrested, a guy getting hurt. How does it have an ACL? Does it have an MCL? You know, what's going on in the locker room? Was there, are guys fighting, bickering? Um, all that is supposed to be yours. A guy coming in on a Tuesday visit, that's that's your baby. You know, you're, that, you own it. So I was consumed by the job. And uh, so I don't have that on my plate anymore. Uh, when big stories are out there, uh, there, I'd be lying if I told you, Parma didn't. Uh, don't I don't miss the chase and missing the hunt and trying to get it and trying to get the Tennessean name on the ticker on the bottom of ESPN or having people credit ESPN for that news. I was never a guy who was complaining about the coach or the team not telling you something about it about something. Go find out. That's your job. That's why you're out there. So that's that's how I was. You know, that's how I'm wired. And uh, and a part of me misses that. A part of me is relieved that I don't have to do that anymore because I got ulcers and it cost me family time. It cost me sleep at night um, because I want to do the best job I possibly could as the beat writer for the Tennessean. Working for the team, it's different. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm not chasing news anymore. Like I hear stuff, you know, nine o'clock in the morning, hey, we're announcing we're signing this guy three getting something get something ready uh you know um you know i kind of know if a guy's got a certain injury a lot of times i'll hear about it but i can't do anything about it um i can't be as critical i mean I, i'm you're never going to see me question a mike Vrabel play call working for the team i question a mike Vrabel play call and i'm i'm looking for a job uh, probably so uh, and i'm not going to be calling out you know the gm for for you know for a a, a, a draft pick that didn't didn't work out. That that's just not a part of it. But I try to do the best I can to toe the line. Nobody tells me, hey, you can't write this, you can't write that. But I've been around long enough now to know that there's a line there that I probably shouldn't cross. Uh, I don't sugarcoat everything. If you read my mailbags, if you follow my analysis, some of the stuff I do, I can still be critical. If a guy's not playing well, uh, you know, if something's not going right, I I don't be away from it but am I hammering things home when you lose you know 38 to 3 I mean I'm not writing about the punter having a good day so um so there are different lines you can cross yes when I worked for the Tennessee and I wasn't a Titans fan I mean I've got family that Titans fan my wife and my kids I've had season tickets since they first moved in my dad's a season ticket member I enjoyed my family being happy I love you know, when I worked for the Tennessee and I enjoyed the relationships I had with people that worked at the Titans, but I was never a, a fan of the team just because you're not supposed to be a fan of the team. You know, you kind of lose your credibility if you are. Now that I work for the team, of course, I want the team to win. Uh, it's more fun being in the building when the team's winning. And uh, and now that I'm in the building, I've got relationships with people that, you know, treat me well. I try to treat them well, and I'm, we're all in it together. I mean, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pulling for the Titans now and, uh, and you know, disappointed when the team loses. Uh, and, again, it's more fun when they win. But um, it's the job is different. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about it. 
but I do sleep better at night, not doing all the chasing that I used to have to do. And, um, and I try to be as, I try to be as, uh, uh, as much of a journalist as I can possibly be in this role. Well, Jim, we appreciate the honesty, you know, in, in that answer, certainly. And, and thank you so much for having you on to that. You know, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. We've had a blast with you. Pre appreciate you as always. Okay. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. Anytime you need me, just let me know. Appreciate the work you guys do. And uh, hopefully it'll be a good, uh, a good fall. And, uh, you know, because we've all seen some years that are fun all the way to the end and or not, you know, at the end, it wasn't a lot of fun <laughs> last year, but we've seen some seasons that keep, fans entertained and have something to write about all the way through and then you guys obviously been around for some teams that you know were playing out the string in November and December too and those weren't a lot of fun so hopefully this is the year where the team's competing for the AFC South getting into the postseason and uh and making a run at it and um and I think that would keep you know keep all of our audiences engaged and uh and fired up absolutely agree thanks again Jim really appreciate it okay appreciate it guys have a good one Thanks again to Jim Wyatt for his time there, insight into the Titans roster, training camp, and covering the Titans on both sides of the beat writer, team writer spectrum. I, I love that answer and that honesty. That was really great stuff. I, I thought he was extremely honest the entire episode, right? And I hope our aim, you know, especially talking about the Logan Woodside and Malik Willis thing and position battles at corner and left guard and talking about how Radens is, you know, only if he fails at right tackle would they would they look elsewhere or kick him inside. So a lot of honesty from Jim, I, I would say, that entire episode. Yeah, really great stuff. I think we've covered this Titans training camp preview, but we have a few more weeks to keep previewing it. So that's what we're going to do. And we might bring on more guests, people. Like I said, Mike and Jim back to back. So stay tuned. You never know who's going to pass by MCA. That's right. You never know. So stay tuned. We will be back next week for another episode to cover anything we missed and um, whatever else happens between now and then. Again, happy holidays to everybody. Happy 4th of July, Independence Day. Hope you saw some cool fireworks this weekend. And uh, safely, of course. Yeah, safely. Hope everyone had a safe enjoyment of the holiday. And hopefully we'll see some fireworks on the field this year. Hey, how about that? Oh, Lord. <laughs> All right. BroadwaySportsMedia.com. Check it out. Follow Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. I am at Titans Film Room. Until next week, y'all stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.